Hey everyone, thank you for joining us this week. Welcome to At Home. We had you on a mission on mm-hmm. social media. We asked you to join us to help spread a little kindness, a little bit of love. And let me say, you guys came out in droves. So many text messages so I received many. to nominate someone who was going to get a call from us and $500 in gift cards. And we're super excited to announce the recipient is Destiny Sparks from Richfield, Minnesota. And she was nominated by Vicki Gilligan. Thank you so much. Destiny is a principal and it really sounds like she is doing so much to support her children at her school, even virtually by connecting with each and every one of them. So thank you, Destiny. Enjoy the $500 in gift cards, and we'll be giving you a call this week. We can't wait to talk to you. Now, this week, we are chatting with Melissa Rausch. Keep in mind, we did pre-record this conversation before Mm -hmm. we were all in isolation, but I absolutely love Melissa, and she's so funny. It was so lovely chatting with her. And I think at one point, she was interviewing us. That was fun. It was fun. (laughs) Turning the table on us. Make sure you stick around to the end of the episode, because each week we've been checking in on listeners, frontline workers, just to see how you're all doing. And this week, since it's Nurses Week, we are chatting with Lisa, who's a public health nurse. Yes, and she's up in Toronto. And a big thank you to all nurses, since this is your week. I want to celebrate you every day anyway. Yes, thank you to all nurses everywhere. Let's get right into our conversation with Melissa Rausch. Enjoy. What's with that episode of Linda and Drew at Home podcast? Wait, what? This is a comedy episode. That was me doing my Seinfeld. I was, I was wondering why the super, super long pause at the beginning, <laughs> and it was Drew trying to, trying figure, to figure out, out my, his voice. the funniest voice that I would do. And I just thought, go to Seinfeld. What's with the deal with? It didn't work out. This is At Home with Lyndon <laughs> Drew Scott. I'm loving this week because we got to sit and chat with Melissa Rausch, mm-hmm. who we is, love her. she's a hilarious comedian. A lot of people don't know that. They know her obviously from what? Big Bang Theory. Mean? No, they know her from being funny on TV, but they don't know that she's done stand up for years. Oh, okay. And stand up is one of the hardest things in the world, yet she's so funny. Oh, can you hear my heart right now? Hold on. Dun, dun. How great are these? Yeah. Anyway, thinking about stand up. Gives me heart palpitations. Could you actually go up in front of a crowd and do like a 10-minute routine? (sighs) Do you want to feel my sweaty hands right now? Oh, my gosh. How do they get so sweaty so fast? I don't... Just look. Ooh. No, wipe those on the pillow. Imaginary stage fright. That's what they call it. Oh, my gosh. This is so weird. My my palms are actually glistening. I don't know. This is weird. I'm not doing this intentionally, but like... Eminem wrote a song about you. Palms are sweaty. Ooh, I want spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is... Okay, we need a scientist friend to tell us... To analyze? Yeah, like how did I elicit this physical response? This is a great hyperhidrosis commercial. You should... uh, (laughs) No, but it's, it's interesting... I've done some stand up in the past. Jonathan and I both did a little bit of it. Nothing professional. We didn't tour or anything like that. But, you know, it was fun. We goofed off a little bit. We were nowhere near as funny as what we thought we would be on stage. But one of the arts of it that I've really noticed from seeing really great stand up comics like Chris Hardwick and JB Smoove and um, like seeing Adam Standler on stage. Amy Schumer. I just call him Adam Standler. Adam, you know, Adam Standler? <laughs> That's the cousin of Adam yeah, Sandler. Adam Stallion Sandler. Uh, but no, seeing them on stage, they. 
they read the audience. When you, when you know what's working with an audience, you have to ebb and flow a little bit and react. And that's a whole other part of having really well-written content. See, I get nervous even being in the audience of a stand-up show because I'm always like, don't make eye contact. They're going to pick on you. Well, that's a whole, that's a different reason for being nervous because you're but, afraid but they're going to pick on you. Yeah, but imagine like being on the other side on stage when you have hundreds of people that could pick on you All right. or not like what you're saying, what? Do this. What? Give me, I'm your audience of one, less threatening. I'll also, when they say, you know, picture the audience naked, I can take my clothes off. It makes you feel more comfortable. Yes, uh, that would make me feel more comfortable. All right. Good thing I wore my Velcro outfit. <laughs> there, I'm naked. <laughs> uh, tell me, a, give me a joke. Give me something that you think would entertain me as your audience. Okay. Uh, I got to work on my material. Like, okay, where do you even begin? Because I'm, I immediately. <laughs> I immediately go to fart jokes well, and, those and terrible toilet humor, but it's not even toilet humor. It's just like, I don't mean for it to be funny or whatever, but it's, it's just real life stuff. Well, I don't know. Well, that's, but that's what most comedians that uh, I've talked to, they say that the best material usually comes out of an everyday thing that most people can relate to. So something in your life, that's an annoying thing that you can relate to, and then you kind of expand upon it. So for toilet humor for me, there's so much to make fun of on a construction site. Wait, toilet like, humor and construction. Well, I just a, mean like, like we have a toilets? whole thing on our construction sites. Like Jonathan and I do not take out the toilet. Like we'll make the homeowners take out their own toilet because it's their pee water in there. And I don't want that splashing up on me. And I mean, there, there, there are things that you can build off of there. My problem is if I was doing stand up, I don't want to do like a joke, like a knock knock joke or something, but I always end up going back to dad jokes. Like, hey, what did the, what did the, but, what did the zero say to the eight? Nice belt. Uh, I know that one because I told that one to you. Wait, that was your joke? I Stole mean, it's your not material. my joke. Someone's joke. What did the one strawberry say to the other strawberry? We're in a jam. If we weren't so fresh, we wouldn't oh, be in this jam. That's good. <laughs> no, that's not good. It's not good at all. I could only go to a convention of dads to entertain them with my jokes. Dadjokes.com. There is actually, I don't even know what it is. There was a YouTube channel that was a dad giving dad jokes and it was all, I saw its reactions of the kids when the dads are giving the jokes and the kids' reactions are all like, like <laughs> blank face, not impressed. It was so funny. Anyway, I think we should leave the joke telling to the professionals and why don't we jump right in. Here we go with well, Melissa Rouse. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks. <laughs> my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not <laughs> mine. Help protect what matters most with all this plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. 
Like about 18 years, because oh, wow. we met in college and were um, we were writing partners throughout college, oh, and then got together at the end. What of kind of writing? Um, comedy. We were both. I was doing stand up at the time, and um, he had always like had a really like strong interest in comedy, and so he came to see me do stand up a few times, and he's like, "Would you be interested in writing some sketch stuff together?" Oh, and so gosh. it was the first time that either of us had really sat down to write comedy. And did then, you do sketch together on like on stage? We didn't. We sort of just we wrote a bunch of sketches that are still in a folder that have ne- never been done. And then we wrote um, we wrote a play together, and um, that sort of like started our relationship. And I always say that because we started writing together before we were actually a couple. Like I think back to um, the beginning of our relationship where I was so nice. And I'm not. I'm not a jerk. You're so I'm mean. kind of a jerk. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> let, let us be the judge of that. That's... Okay, I'm a jerk. I'm a jerk. <laughs> For the listeners, I'm not a jerk, but I'm a jerk. But we were. Um, when we would start writing together, I would always be like, "Oh my god, that's such a great idea! I love it! I think we can make it a little funnier." And now, like 18 years later, we're writing together. I'm just like, "Nah, we can do better. Yeah. It can be better. That's it can be totally You're better. ruthless. Yeah. I, Linda does that with me sometimes, and then I do that with her, where she she has an idea. She comes out, and she, Linda's brilliant with her ideas, like really funny ideas. I hate him. But then she'll say this, this wonderful, amazing plan, and I don't want to burst the bubble that logistically it's not possible. And <laughs> but so, that's why I say it, because I know that like I'm up here, and you're like, okay, we can do this, this, and this, but definitely not Yeah, but I guess better like, than starting, realistic. starting like Got 10 it. rungs up the ladder, like Linda likes to go all the way to the top, and then if we have to bring it down a bit, great, but at least we're not starting with stifled creativity. Yeah, but that's, that's why I pitch mm. it, like, you know, out of this world. And is it like any sort of idea? Well, or? oh, literally, Linda will have ideas for everything, even things like she'll even have an idea for businesses, like a marketing platform that for business no that we don't that. even have. Really? Or, or she'll I we'll love be that. we'll be in a store, and then I can see a look in her eye, and I'm like, "What are you planning?" <laughs> and she has like for some random <laughs> store, she's planned a whole marketing campaign that they could they could use. And I'm like, can I just give this to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many of the ideas, like the big ideas, have come to fruition? A lot of them, because oh, we really. Awesome. You think well, so? well uh, within our brand, a lot yeah. of what she's come up with have come to fruition because we have so many different aspects. Whether it's our furniture line or new show development yeah. or social media or brand campaigns, but then she has other like businesses that we want to continue. Like one of the big things that she's been dreaming about for years, and you can talk more about it. But it's the um, the idea of having our own little sustainable farm. Uh, like having something more regenerative slash farm. Hotel. Slash hotel. <laughs> slash farm to table restaurants. Um, we've experienced slash some of those. Slash bookstore, slash ice cream shop, slash, slash hot chocolate shop. shop. This is fantastic. Slash congee. Yeah. So, but, but honestly, I mean, it, it's, it's cool to see the creativity come out of there. And I think slowly but surely we want to keep making these things come to life. Yeah. This is That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so on board for that place. You're gonna work there. Yeah, I will. Right there. Thousand, that's amazing. Can there be, in addition to the ice cream shop, can there be like a funnel cake stand? Oh, yes. 
it'll yeah. be seasonal. No, so I don't permit that. In the mm -hmm. summer, <laughs> in the summer, you'll have funnel cake because it'll be like carnival theme. Oh yeah, that's and interesting. Have I ever had funnel can, cake? Can you do since there's a farm like a vegetable based? Funnel cake. Ooh. Like some sort of like like a butternut squash. Squash? A butternut squash. A butternut squash. You've never heard of a squash? That's when you step on it. Exactly, then it's a squash. A butternut squash funnel cake. So you do like a squash puree into the funnel cake batter. That sounds Now hold on a second. Maybe a lot of people don't know this about you, but you do love to cook and I bake. I do love to cook. Yeah. This is like a whole other side of your life. Farm to table, everything tastes better. Like I don't, you could put two foods in front of me, one that's just made like mass produced, one that's farm to table, and right away, oh, yeah, smelling it, I'll know the difference. Agree. And, I, and I, we, we've been um, vegetarian now for months, like over six months. And so for us, the big thing though was I didn't want to take away any sort of flavors or delicious meals that I liked, and I did like meat meals. I grew up on a ranch, yeah. but um, but on the other side, I didn't want didn't want to go vegetarian and then starve my body of certain nutrients that I didn't have. So it took some time, it took some research, but we've been able to come up with meals, and we've we've had some restaurants we go to or chefs that work with us that create amazing, delicious meals. You would okay. think there's meat in the meals because you're getting amazing. everything you possibly could want. Or you don't even want meat. Or you don't want meat. There's so yeah. great flavors out there, yeah. What has been your favorite, like, go-to? Uh, I love butternut squash soup. Squirt. <laughs> yeah, actually, soup. Like, yeah, actually my favorite. Butternut squash soup is With amazing. Pine nuts Ooh. and sage. But even in the morning, oh, like great. a great um, acai bowl or so good. Um, so, just like fresh, yeah. whether it's vegetables or, or fruit, just something that tastes fresh. Avocado in the morning. So great. Mm. Do What's you your... and Winston cook together? We don't really cook together. He sort of like will linger around in the kitchen, <laughs> but I sort of like commandeer yeah. the kitchen. And he's not like really, he's got like a few things that will be his go-to um, meals, but I'm sort of the the one who like runs the kitchen. So he'll do microwave popcorn and toast. A thousand percent. You'll dig in a little deeper with something delicious. Exactly. So, so then what for you when you're not filming and you're not writing, you're not producing, what is it that is your sort of nerdy go-to? Like what's your obsession, your hobby? Uh, I would say cooking. I have mm. to say like there's something I find very meditative about mm -hmm. like chopping vegetables or coming up with recipes. Um, I'm not like a super, I will, you know, follow this recipe. I love cookbooks and I like flipping through them, but I really like to sort of like mad scientist yeah. it in the kitchen. I'm the Which, same way. You're same? Yeah, I can't, I get... I guess I get like distracted. I can't follow the instructions. I'm just like, hey, these are the ingredients. Yeah. I guess we need this much and this much. Same. I just, I just like cookbooks for the pictures. Exactly. <laughs> Do, so you like to cook too? I love cooking. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll I'll take a recipe and I stick to what the recipe says. Okay. Linda and my mom. And my they mom love. As well. Yeah. And she and doesn't have recipes for stuff. She'll no. make this like really cool Asian soup that's apparently good for your skin or good for your eyes oh. or good for something. And I'll be like, can I have the recipe? She's like, oh, I'll have to show you because I like she just makes it up. But also, way. Linda's mom has it's all like I call them these like ancient Chinese recipes that she just makes up. Really? But the funny thing <laughs> yeah. is, all of these then like like years after she was given this to us, like it's like a congee mix or or different soups, or like goji berries, it, yeah, and mm -hmm. like lotus fruit. Ooh. All the content of everything she gives us. Then years later, we're reading articles and it's like this is the new go-to. Antioxidant. Yeah, antioxidant. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So she's she's this wise guru, like ahead of, of the curve. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Was she very into like holistic? Yeah, and and we're Chinese, so I think that's just naturally yeah. what we 
grew up with. Yeah. Um, anytime we got sick, it wasn't, you know, go straight to the cough syrup. It's we're going to the, I don't know what you call it, the herbalist. That's and fantastic. And there are jars and jars of like, I don't even know what it is, like barks. It, it literally looks like branches and barks. Wow. And like, it looked like bugs. I'm sure there are bugs in there. I don't know. Whoa. As a kid, it looked like yeah. bugs. And they uh-huh. were just like, they would check my tongue and then like check your pulse and like, okay, I know what to make for Amazing. you. And they would like throw all these things in, wrap it in brown paper. And then my mom would boil it and it would smell terrible and taste like dirt. But it, it works, it works, right? Yeah, it works. I'm so into that stuff. Are you? Yeah, I'm always like, if someone's sick in my house, there's always some sort of tincture or poultice going. What's it's, poultice? Oh, so this is amazing. Uh, if you have an ear infection, you can make, it's basically a rice sock. You take a man sock. <laughs> what is that? I'm so sorry I'm holding my hand like that. It just looked are like you, I was going to punch you, you in the me? face. It did look you are like. A jerk. I am I, a double jerk. I just made a fist that is so tight. So this is, I'm holding up a rice sock. Okay. This okay. is what I'm doing with my hand at the moment. I'm going to hold it like this for the rest of the time we talk. So it's, you make a, you take a man sock, preferably clean, and you fill it. <laughs> With um, with rice, okay. any kind of rice, and then you could add some oils to it, like lavender oil is okay. really good um, for ear infections. Garlic oil, and then you tie it up. Now this is me oh. tying it up, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and um, and then you heat it up. You could like heat it in a skillet, or you could do microwave, and then you put it on your ear, and it be like you know how you put your phone in rice if oh yeah to if drain it gets the water yeah. yeah it's the same thing on your ear. So then you put it on your ear, and it's supposed and, to like. And it clears out the. So wait, you put it on top of your ear, or you like lean your ear Either on top one. of it? Oh, okay. You should tell Marnie. It's amazing. Yes, I've had this weird, like, little sensation that's been coming and going for the last few months in my ear, and it's almost like there's, like, they checked me and they said I have a bit of fluid in there. Oh. But yes, we should try we it. Should try so and garlic oil. Okay. Put a drop of garlic oil in. Right in the rice. My ear. Yes. Oh. Into, wait. Yes, you could do it in the rice, but then also there's. Um, don't like you can make it yourself, but I always worry that like somehow I'm gonna get like marinara sauce in my ear, like if I use <laughs> the same pot. So they have like little bottles of uh, garlic oil, and you okay. just put a drop in there, and then put the rice sock on. Um, I'm super, super into this stuff. I'm sort of a weirdo. With. I'm so excited to try it. Yeah. So and now is is it you or Winston that's more the weirdo with this kind of stuff? Me for sure. I've gotten him on board for that, but I've also he's sort of like my henchman in in my weirdness, because like I will send him out to get the <laughs> ingredients for my poultices. So he's like, he's my accomplice, but I'm the one who's like leading the charge on it. And like, if he's sick, like watch out. Cause like I, then I have to like, you know, obviously I'll go and get this stuff, but. You're the one yeah. saving lives. He's basically your Igor. It's yeah. thousand percent. <laughs> yes. Can you please tell him that? Yeah. I, I, will, uh-huh. I will tell him that. Uh-huh. Uh, you and Winston have known each other since your writing days in college. Yes. Um, you've written a lot together. I kind of need to. I need to hear more about an amazing project that you guys spent a lot of time together writing, called the Condom Killer. <laughs> okay, so this um, it was our first short film that we made when we first moved out to LA, and um, Winston had this idea. We were watching a lot of like film noir movies. I have never spoken about this, and you did some deep dives, and I'm very impressed. <laughs> um, and. We had just moved here, and so we were like taking in a lot of old Hollywood and like re- watching a lot of the film noir movies, as I said. And um, so Winston started doing this voice, like the radio announcer voice from like you know the '40s. Um, and he started just saying the tagline, "The condom killer. He's safe, but no one's safe around <laughs> oh my him." Oh gosh! 
Here, here, everybody! Exactly. The condom killer! The condom killer! Get in there! Get in the news! Yes, that's exactly, exactly it. So we wrote this short about this guy who is so obsessed with people having safe sex that if he finds out that you're not, he'll kill you. And, and leave a prophylactic on your body. Um, so it was the first thing that we um, that I directed, and um, it was really fun. And we just shot it with all our friends at all our different apartments in um, in and around what LA and Hollywood. This was two thousand. We had just moved out here from New York, so it was two thousand five. Oh wow! And um, yeah, we shot some of it. We had this um, tiny apartment. We had, well, it was huge to us at the time because we had moved from New York. We were living in a, they called it a two-bedroom, but it was a studio with two walls put up in the middle. Um, we didn't have a kitchen table. We just had, like, basically everything was just a bed, and we, we ate dinner on the bed. We wrote all our first scripts on the bed. Aww. We had something called the board that was literally the top of a wooden desk that we had found on the street of New York. <laughs> and we'd be like, okay, time for dinner, bring out the board. And it was this tiny, like the Aww. size of a child's desk. And we would eat our food on there. And then if we were writing a script, we would both shove our laptops like onto this on tiny board. little board. And it, it kills us that we left the board when we moved oh, man. to L.A. Um, I'm so sad about it. But it probably was, like, infested with oh, yeah. bed bugs well, from the streets of New York. Some, some, yes. the, some old apartments and stuff, when you go and you see anything I ever see, like a woodcutting board, or you uh, pull out some, some old cabinets, you pull yes. it out, it has the built-in... Um, uh, like butcher block or whatever, uh -huh. I always get rid of it because you know it's never been sealed or properly sealed so and it's true. got decades and decades of grime <laughs> and old chicken meat guts. Juice. Totally. Meat juice. in there. Totally. So, so um, take us back a little bit too. You're, you were in New York originally yes. and um, you're, you wanted to be a writer, an actress, director. Mm -hmm. And so where did, where was sort of your big break? Where did that come from? So, um, so went to like a conservative, conservatory squash program. <laughs> it was a conservatory program. They had voice and speech training, which is really <laughs> impressive. So you failed that class. I failed yeah. completely. I was actually, when I went there, I had the thickest Jersey accent in history. Like, it was so, my first day of school, I was like, what are you talking about? And anytime someone's like, you have an accent, I'm like, mm, I don't hear it. No, I don't. <laughs> so they sent me to this dialect class that, um, broke me of my accent because they're like, you can't do Shakespeare with this oh. horrible accent. So um, so I went there and was doing stand-up throughout and um, doing theater in like the basement of laundromats. And, um, and then Winston and I, um, after we started writing those sketches together, we had graduated college and we were, I was sort of looking for my first job and it was just like a lot of waiting tables and... Um, kind of scavenging around the city. And we wrote this one-woman show um, for me that was, it was about that phase where you're out of college and looking for your first job and trying to find yourself. And it was very self-righteous and terrible. And we were like halfway through writing and we're like, this is awful. And then we saw Jenna Bush speaking at the Republican convention um, on TV. And she was about the same age as us. And we got the idea to sort of combine her story, a fictional story about her, with um, with this, um, because we found out she was going to be teaching um, uh, at a charter school and me teaching for the first time, and so we basically made it like a coming of age story 
of her um, like drunk and hungover and needing to become a like an adult in a day, and it sort of explored the Bush presidency through the daughter's eyes. What was it called? Um, it was called, that was called The Miseducation of Jenna Bush, mm. and um, we did that at the New York Fringe Festival, and that was essentially what got me out of waiting tables. We ended up doing um, oh. uh, it at the Aspen Comedy Festival, and then we did a run of it out here, and um, we wrote a pilot based on it that we were so green at the time. We had never written a, anything for TV, so we bought a book that was like, so you want to write a TV? <laughs> I did the same thing. You did? Oh, yeah, I had a few. I had a bunch of screenplay books and everything. Like story. I, we loved writing it? stories yeah. and coming up with stories. I was never the best writer, but we just we had great ideas, and I didn't know how to do it, so it was smart. Yeah, those books are great. great. So um, that sort of brought us out here, and um, I I came out here like, a bit kicking and screaming. I was like, okay, I'll give myself like a, a period of time, and um, and then I I did fall in love with it to a certain extent. I definitely miss the East Coast, but it was um, and it was just a lot of like driving around and crying in my car for mm-hmm. a From, handful of years because of auditions or just in general. No, yeah, yeah, it was just uh, yeah, it was just tough stuff. I was doing. Um, like I had done some guest star stuff and some failed pilots, and it was just like tough going. It was really like, you know, there was just a lot of rejection along the way, and um, but it made you know makes you appreciate every every little thing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. good that happens. Now, when you when you came out um, from the East Coast out here, at that time, did you start to say, okay, I need to focus more on acting instead of writing or was it still doing both? Because you also wrote The Bronze. Now, that, yes. was that later on or, or was uh, that? Yeah, a- so that was later on. I've sort of always used, my focus had always like mainly been acting and um, writing had always sort of been a way to create work for myself when um, like the, basically like the Jenna Bush play, I wasn't getting the opportunities that I wanted to get. So we wrote something for myself as sort of a vehicle. Like no one wanted to, Winston actually was Posing as my fake manager because I couldn't get representation. So um, he was great. He was actually a phenomenal manager. Um, so we got him like a suit at Men's Warehouse and like. I guarantee. Yes, that's it. Is that a Jersey accent coming out? I don't know. Yeah, it's a bit Jersey. Um, yeah, so we. He. I'm trying to think, what the first. So we did the Jenna play out here, but really, like writing was sort of a way to. Um, create work during the times when there wasn't any work. Um, same with the stand-up. I loved doing it, and I was touring at the time. Um, but it's always sort of made me feel like, because there's so much downtime as an actor, um, when you're just wanting someone to let you do what you love to do mm-hmm. so much. So we um, we always looked to writing as like ways to create those opportunities. And um, so at, it was after, I think we started writing The Bronze, um, it was halfway through, a little over halfway through my time at Big Bang, and um, I we thought of this idea for a movie. We had become really interested in the idea of how how, how people react towards celebrity. Um, I had been doing um, a, like a talking head show on VH1, and I went back to Jersey to the mall, which is what you do in Jersey. And I got a free Wetzel's pretzel at the mall because Score. the guy like recognized me from the show and I was so stoked. And then the show was canceled and then the next time I went back, there was like no Wetzel nothing, pretzel. no Wetzel pretzel. And I was really bummed out. And then I would notice that whenever I was, like the, the times that I was working, there was like a little more interest in me in Jersey. 
Um, and then when I wasn't, it was like, yeah, you're, whatever. Yeah, what are you doing? Now, well, so, like, yeah. with, with, were you talking about Big Bang? What, that was. That was yeah. So that was well. That was in between Big Bang, and then once um, once I got Big Bang, I don't. I need to see if I think back if I got a Wetzel's pretzel. But the whole <laughs> the whole idea of celebrity in a small town and what yeah. that could do to a psyche, which is where we came up with mm. the idea for the bronze at the time. Yeah. It was um, season three that you joined the cast yes, on, you're on Big Bang. Right? Yeah, I try, I try. You're really good. I'm a, I'm a filing cabinet in this head. <laughs> but, uh, but then, and then season four, you were engaged on the show, right? Yes, And then yes. Um, that, originally were you just a secondary character and then they pulled you and they really liked you and they made you part of the, the main cast. It was, I am still like, there's not a day that went by that I was shooting that show that I wasn't eternally grateful for. I was supposed to be there for just one week. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and um, I was so excited to get, just get the audition for it because it's been really slow. And um, yeah, it was just supposed to be a one-time thing, just a date for, um, Simon Helberg's character, and then I found out they were going to bring me back for a couple more, and then they said they were adding me to the cast, which was mind-blowing. And how many seasons did you do? Um, I did, I was there for almost a decade, for almost 10 years. That is amazing. Wow, from a week to 10 years. Big Bang is one of the longest-running series of all time, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's crazy. So talk about, I mean, how did that affect you from driving around crying in your car (laughs) to being on the biggest show and in press and media and everything being considered the, one of the biggest actresses in yeah, TV. Yeah, how many more pretzels did you get? <laughs> I, you know what? I need to go and collect. I don't know if you did. Um, it, was, um, it was very surreal, and it was such a wonderful, warm work environment that uh, just there wasn't a... I, I don't think that I had really fully processed what it was, and I don't even know if I'll ever fully be able to mm-hmm. to fully grasp it um, until it was over, honestly. Like, there was just some um, processing of, like, oh, my gosh, that was 10 years that I it just flew by, and I don't think as it was happening, I was just so happy and so thankful to be there, but I don't think um, I was really fully aware of the passing of time as it as it was going going on, but it was just it was such a magical magical special. Do you experience. look back and pinch yourself a little bit sometimes, thinking like so much you've experienced, and at first you weren't even sure if you wanted to leave the East Coast. Yeah, it, for sure. There's um, there's definitely an element to that, and the the whole you know idea of like driving on a lot still like there's still an excitement. There that I had every day driving there, um, and it's something that I had wanted to do since you know as a little girl I was obsessed with TV as a kid, um, and the, and because Big Bang also was a multi-camera show, which is shot in front of a live audience, it like combined the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. I came from a theater background, so it was just it was so it was just so special, and like our tape nights just were so magnetic and electric. Um, and yeah, every we shot on Tuesday nights, and I think for like ten years straight, every Tuesday I would get very teary eyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so happy to be there. Well, I remember I, we've met some of the cast from time to time, whether it's at the Emmys or whatnot. Yeah. Um, I remember walking in. I was walking into the Emmys. It was up the red carpet just as Jim Parsons was leaving, and uh, I remember that that was the first time I, I had see, met any of the cast from your show and. 
the first thing he's like is, Property Brothers, oh my God, love your show, see you later, and they leave. Oh. I was like, I got my two seconds You're with like, him. That's awesome, happen. he's the best. But, uh, but he loves Property Brothers, does, which is actually yeah, how great. we we initially bonded. We started talking about property. That's right. Uh, on Twitter, I think, uh -huh. right? So do you have a little love for design? I do, I absolutely. Um, the house that we're currently living in, um, which is, very close to our first apartment here. I'm very lazy also. Like when I find a neighborhood I like, I'm like, I I could venture out, but then I need to figure out a new grocery store. So I sort of just stay in the same area and it was a major fixer-upper and um, we had a lot of fun uh, getting sort of in the trenches on that. But I've always absolutely loved watching your show. And then, and then I had actually... I think I came to visit the set. You were doing an episode of Playing House. Oh, did you come to set for that? And like, yeah, because I'm good friends with Jessica and um, Lennon, and yeah. I was so excited that you guys were there because I had sort of been a super fan. And you know, I, I, I'm going blank on that. I mean, I, I obviously all you remember is the dream sequence. So the dream sequence. Okay, this is the funniest thing here. <laughs> oh right, right. So right, yes. Jonathan and I were appearing on on their um, show Playing House, um, and. The whole premise was that, was it, I think it was Lennon? Yeah. Was having a, a daydream, a day fantasy uh -huh. about the Property Brothers. And so Jonathan and I, you know, we get busy with everything we're doing and shooting the shows and stuff. So we sort of divide and conquer. So mm. when an opportunity comes forward, one of us leads yeah. it. So when they the pitched it, it was just yeah. us, you and me on the It was Lennon and me yeah. on the call oh, okay. with our PR team and, and the management and, and the production for the show. And so we, we knew all about what, what was coming up, but I didn't bother telling Jonathan. So on the day, <laughs> Jonathan is there, we're all in makeup and we're all saying the director's going through the scene with us and he's like, yeah, so the, the smoke uh, is gonna come up and it's gonna be, it's gonna be misty and dreamy. And then um, it's almost like you float into the scene and then literally they got us to the point where Lennon's standing between us and we're like nuzzling her neck. Were and then, you, was and then, there like a licking of necks? Yeah, yeah then the director said, the director says to John, John is holding a sledgehammer. I think the first line was something like he, he pounds the sledgehammer in his hand. He's like, um, time to, oh, what the heck was it? Uh, Lennon would remember Probably what it was. Something about but, hardwood. but there was a line like, like, time to teach you how to put some hardwood in. The, the, or some, it was something really raunchy. But uh, anyway, so then the director says to John, as we're right there, like nuzzling uh, her neck, the director's like, uh, Jonathan, can you do me a favor? Can you just lick Lennon's neck? And John, at that, that was after all this, we've been going for like 45 minutes. And at that point, was Jonathan's like, hold on a second. Are you insinuating that Lennon's having a threesome with the property brothers? <laughs> And then there was like dead silence for a second. The director's like, yes. And then John's like, okay. okay. Yeah, and we could, That's they were amazing. so great. They were amazing. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I loved being a part of that. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. <laughs> Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. <laughs> Recall reading that when you and Winston got married, he took your last name. He did. He did. Yeah. It was sort of a, um, it was not like even something that we had 
like really, really talked about, but he had, uh, I, he had said a couple times like, you know, people oftentimes like will just call me Mr. Roush anyway. And then he called me from the social security office and was like, they call me Mr. Roush. And I was like, what? You did it? Aww. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> so, awesome. so does he use his maiden name uh, ever? He really doesn't. Yeah, no. he just goes by, he just fully goes by Roush. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, after all these years that we've known each other, uh, I didn't know it was pronounced Roush. Oh, really? I thought it was Roche. Oh, Roche actually, maybe I'll change it to Roche. I actually like Roche better. Totes McRoche. It's good. It, we have a friend. Melissa Roche. Wait, for yeah. real? Yeah, yeah, we do. And that's why whenever, I've, every now and then when I go to text you, I accidentally text her and she's like, I think you mean the other one. No but way. But she's in design. And she is, goes she's by Roche. Yeah, yeah. Well, and her, but her spelling is R-O-C-H-E. Got and it. And so um, it's different. But then now she got married, so now she goes by Roche Amos. So it's Melissa oh, Roche, it's Roche Amos, yeah. Oh, oh, I thought you meant she meant that she married someone named Roche Amos. No, oh, that, no. Would, that would be interesting too. Roche, Roche no, Amos. it's just her name's uh, made oh, Roche. Um, but so very confusing. I, have, I actually have in my phone I have multiple people with the same names. I know multiple Chris Wallace. I know multiple. Really? Well, we it? have like six Victorias in our lives. Oh, really? Gosh, yeah. That's that we're all close to. That's an interest. <laughs> that's a rare name to yeah. have a lot of in your life. Oh, yeah. Are some of them Vicky and some of them, or are they all Victoria? Well, they all go by Victoria, but we change their names because I'm like, to. you're okay. Vicky T, okay, and you're Tori, and you're gonna be you're called B Dog. Yeah. Yeah. And are they all good with it? Yeah, I yeah. think somewhat, except for the one doesn't like Vicky T. But okay. uh, we also call <laughs> them all good. by their last names, so it'll be okay. like Shaw, Tanelli, Arlen. Did anyone just get the straight up Victoria? Uh, who's the original Victoria? Would that be Victoria Shaw? Shaw. I think Victoria Shaw. Yeah. She scored. She, she gets Victoria, and then the rest of them we change, and then we call our assistant Tori. So okay. That's okay. our, our different. But uh, during the wedding, they were all there oh. during the wedding, and when people were talking to us, and like, did you see Victoria? And we're like, yeah. And then we thought they were talking about Shaw. I feel like there's a sketch oh, yeah. about this. Or totally. Something. This is totally. like the whole like who's on first. The Victorian what's on? era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's it. <laughs> That's yeah. your next big idea. Yeah. There it is. Oh, she'll have many. And by the end of this um, chat, she'll also have two more puns that she'll throw at us. Are you, a, are you a pun maker? I like, I feel like I think in puns. That's but not awesome. when I put on the spot. Okay, she's she, she sort of need to. Yeah. She's the pun queen. Have you ever heard of the Punderdome? I haven't. What's the problem? In New York or Brooklyn, actually, I think. What it is. is it? It's a place where you get together and it's like, you know, like live. It's like, like twice on, a year. It's or like so a stage her. performance, but it's okay. like, um, it's, it's almost like. Um, the Olympics of puns on stage. So they have people who are a part of it that are really good at coming up with puns. They'll have people from the audience what? come up You're and they pun theme. off. Yeah. And they pun off. Yeah. Have yes. you been? It's wonderful. We've been. <laughs> it's so it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah we, we went we've once because a, yeah. a friend of us, a friend of ours, told us, and so we watched. But so one one of the Olympics uh, events, I guess they'd call it, mm. um, they would give you from the audience. You would get like five or ten words or something like that, and you had to find a way to mix all those in with as many puns as possible in a minute. So you're, you get like a minute or two to prep, and then you have to do it. Well, that makes me want to throw and up. So, I I feel so nervous. Yeah. Just like, Thank you. But well, we were in the audience so as they're doing it there, we were in the audience coming up with our own words, and we're like, after we're done, we're like, we could have competed. Oh, I don't know. They were pretty what? good. They were good. Some they were, were good. really good. Yeah. Are, they, are they just like, is it your average Joe punter, or are they like comedians? Some of them are comedians, I, th I, th I feel, okay. uh, because they were, they were very funny with how they did it. Some of them, I think, are writers. Like, they had a very creative mind, and then some of them are just random people that are quick on their feet. Wow. Yeah, so it was very entertaining. 
That yeah. sounds great. So something to do when you go back home. Yeah. I will. Yeah. Are you guys still writing together now? We are, yeah. yeah. We um, we have a production company together um, called After January Productions. And that, um, so we have a few things that we're writing together, a bunch of things that we're producing together. And yeah, it's a great, um, I, I have to say, like, there's a wonderful thing about working with, as you guys know, the person that, your, who's also your your life partner? It's definitely it's efficient because you're mm-hmm. together most yeah. of the time. Anyway, and we sort of have like we've always had with our writing like a best idea a best idea wins policy, um, which I've tried to apply to our marriage too. Mm. Like it's the best idea for you to take out the garbage. <laughs> no, that's a great yeah. idea. Um, but it usually applies better for applies more for work. Um, do you guys find, so Linda and I have a really hard time shutting off the work talk. Yes. How I'm terrible. He's better at it than I am. Um, I, we've tried to be like, okay, like after a certain time of night, let's try and not do it. But I'm, I'm the worst. Or like after I, January. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'll be like, we've agreed to like, okay, let's like watch a movie or something. I'm like, hold on, hold on. I got an idea. I got an idea. Yeah. Um, so... I've, I st- at one point kept a notebook next to my bed so that if I had something that I want to talk about, I'd write it down so I don't forget it. But I've got now it's sort of like all all bets are off. And we both we want to take that time to stop. The you know we were actually reading a, an article too that was saying how it's not healthy for your brain to go 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 sleep. You kind of oh. get, you're supposed to give yourself a bit of downtime like a to sort of de- yeah exactly yeah. decompress. Relax a little bit, maybe enjoy a bit of time with the person you're with, and then fall into your slumber. That's great. But I actually I need to remember that. Yeah. Well, we we, we know of it. We just don't <laughs> uh-huh. do it. We've heard it's lovely. Yeah. 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 One day we'll we'll experience this. Yeah. So what, what do you? Oh, sorry. You go. Oh, I was gonna say when you practice your your best idea wins uh-huh. uh, method, who do, do you? Like pitch it to other friends or family, or do you compare it with it like between yourselves? That's a good question. I have to say, I think we both have a pretty good barometer of between between each other. Like, okay, yeah, that's that's funnier, or that that works better. We've always really been able, I have to say, been able to like give up a, an idea that one of us have. It's really more for like um, if we're writing a scene and whichever like. I would say the way we mainly write together is we'll we'll sort of outline everything and then we'll like either improvise dialogue back and forth or but we're usually together rather than passing the script back and forth to each other. Mm. Um, so we'll both throw out things and then it's usually just like yeah that's funnier yeah, yeah. agreed you know. So so you guys I mean this I used to write with Jonathan and JD mm-hmm. and then we had other friends that we wrote with when we were doing theater and sketch and improv mm-hmm. and um, I find. It's a mix. There's certain ideas that I'm okay with everybody giving their opinion, and then there were times where I would be like, um, "No, this is my idea. It's funnier. It's better." And I started getting really defensive, uh. and it would take me a while to step back and realize, "Okay, now I'm just being defensive. Their idea actually is better." <laughs> Do you guys find you ever get a little bit head to head, butting head to head? Um, I honestly have to say that as far as our writing goes, it's always, and it might be because like that's the where we started in our mm. relationship that. We were barely, I mean, barely friends when we actually started writing together. Um, so we, we haven't really butt heads in that way. I'll sometimes, though, think, like, I'll, if I get an idea, like, really late at night, I'll think it's hilarious. And 
he he's kinder than I am in that like he'll be like oh yeah that's funny and then the next morning I'll I'll, I'll realize that it wasn't that great and he'll be like yeah I was gonna tell you today like you're, yeah. I I knew you were gonna come down off of it it was just like a tired idea yeah let you sleep on it exactly, first. exactly. Lin- Linda comes up with things in the middle of the night that she says but it's always random gibberish she'll think she's I don't know if she thinks like if she's in a dream or something but mm. I always try to record it. But by the time I kind of wake up, realize she's mumbling, oh, grab my phone, oh, I always just miss it. I want you to record Yeah, it one of these days. So like, it's like a, a night, like a talking in your sleep. She talks a little in her sleep sometimes. Yeah. Half asleep. Yeah. And then, she, so then oh. she's probably dreaming something or like that yeah. half asleep thing. Yeah. And then she starts to say out loud, like, <laughs> like she thinks that I was talking to her. Oh, that's and so funny. The last one that she said, it was uh, last week, um, randomly... Who is it? Justin oh, was like, and imagine when Justin meets Jordan. Oh yeah, so we, we had just two of our friends um, oh. as, as well, and so we had been talking with Justin just before we went to bed. But this Justin and this other friend of ours are super similar. It's like he massages your shoulder while he's oh, talking. Oh, that's nice. So, nice. Yeah. yeah. Or he'll be talking to me, and then he's reaching behind him to massage someone else's shoulder randomly, and, and Justin's it's the hilarious. Same one. Can I please meet him? I, yeah. I want to get in on this. You want to? You want to meet both of them at the same yeah. time? Yeah, I was just picturing them like meeting and standing next. To each other and just like rubbing each other's shoulders, having a And so here we are laying in bed. In We're laying in bed, all quiet <laughs> and calm. And then she just goes, Imagine Justin and Jordan meet. And I'm like, Excuse me? What? That's great. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, we all have our fantasies. So, where did comedy come from for? For both of you. Is that how you grew up? Or? Yeah, I think I remember getting my first laugh and being like, oh, this feels good. It was watching an episode of Three's Company with my parents, and they were like, okay, it's time to go to bed. And to procrastinate, I started imitating Don Knotts. And my <laughs> dad, like, just burst out laughing. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. How old were you? Um, I think I was about five or six. Oh my gosh. And, um, and then I just started becoming obsessed with, I, I remember my parents said, you know, there's people who do impersonations for a living. And I became obsessed with comedy and um, started doing quote unquote impersonations slash stand up at like um, the age of five or six. And it wasn't like, <laughs> It was a lot of just imitations of 80 sitcom stars. Yeah. And um, and I was I was very much like an indoor cat as a kid. I still kind of am. Um, and just a very odd kid as well. So I would save up my money to enter in like weird talent competitions where I could do my quote unquote stand up. Um, That's amazing. I, I, we're willing to hear a few of these impersonations. So they go. Are- <laughs> I, if I had a time machine, it could morph back into the six-year-old body. They all sort of sounded very, very similar. But I was <laughs> just obsessed with any um, any comedy I could get my hands on. And my brother and I would perform in our... Um, we moved when I was about five, like right before kindergarten, we moved uh, like a, a town or two over um, to this new house that was a new construction. And it had a basement that our old house didn't have and we were like this is amazing and that became sort of our theatrical lair Mm. where we um, started a theater company as kids and like got everyone in the neighborhood to perform musicals and we were like we took it very seriously in the basement you charged the tickets yeah uh uh-huh and we had um, we would rehearse like diligently every day after school it went on for like six seven years throughout my childhood oh wow Um, but what's crazy is this it's an unfinished basement like this is 
but in my, it was a magical place yeah. growing up. And I didn't realize until I had done an interview on Conan a few years back and showed a clip of myself in at like eight years old singing a very inappropriate song from Chorus Line, Tits and Ass, <laughs> in the basement. And um, didn't think anything of it. And Andy Richter was like, that basement looks like Guantanamo. Where were you? And it wasn't until he said that that I was like, oh my God. I, in my mind, that was just like the place of my childhood dreams. And I didn't realize how- It looked like a prison. It's terrible. And I now I go back there. It smells terrible. There's cinder blocks everywhere. There's like- I mean, the wood is splintered. So your parents still live there? My parents still live there. Is there anyone else they now lock in the basement or? There may be a, a, a plethora of people just <laughs> down there at this point. But if there was always some sort of flood down there. It was never properly, like the plumbing never really works. You at any point in time, like our sets would be flooded and there would just be water damage Do you guys have everywhere. Mm -hmm. sets? Yeah, like I mean, it, it was really just like, like imaginary. Like I'm picturing. It was like when I say sets very loosely. It was like we did little shop shop of horrors, and it yeah. was like two huge pillows on top of each other that like we would operate as the plan. The plan yeah. <laughs> um, and cardboard that we sort of like manufactured into like little houses. And, and see, stuff that's like that. you have to do that. Uh, and when we were kids growing up. We, we didn't play with the toys or things that came in the boxes. We just played with the boxes. Right. And the best day for us of the year, anytime my parents got new, new appliances or something like that, oh. the appliance boxes, we actually took over my dad's office and made an entire city. We were making like a old a cowboy, like, like you know, Western, Western back street. lot, kind of yeah. like a street. Amazing. So there would be the bank, there'd be the saloon, there'd be all these different things and we would play the characters. But Jonathan and I would go all out and we would, like the bank, we would even put a pencil across, we would make a little um, sort of fold in the cardboard and put a pencil across with a roll of paper and we would print money on it. Oh my God. And then you can roll it out and rip it off as you're getting oh, paid. Oh, so you had your own ATM? Yeah, yeah, it was our, our own ATM. <laughs> oh, we were all out, we were hardcore. That was our first design. That is <laughs> but, really cool. But it, I, I love, I mean, it sounds you were, like you were the same way, letting your creativity soar. Our dad had been in the movie industry before we were born. Oh, wow. And so he would tell us stories, and that would also get us excited about the idea of, of making our own little films. And so he had this handy cam, this little camcorder. Mm -hmm. And so we would take it, and we would create these sets, and then we'd make our own little movies out of that. They were terrible, but That's at really the time, cool. we thought it was the best thing in the world. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, what do you, th you mentioned being on Conan. Yeah. Conan is probably my favorite comedian like he's my favorite talk yeah. show host. He's like, so awesome. He's so friggin' funny. Favorite so podcast. Funny. Yeah, favorite podcast, yeah. Conan Needs a Friend. Um, so what was, did you look up to anyone like him or any other comedians that were on TV or in, in movies um, that were sort of like, uh, I want to be them one day? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I agree with you, first of all. I love Conan so much. Um, and he's such a great interviewer as well. Um, growing up, I was obsessed with um, Carol Burnett and Gilda Radner. Um, and, um, I was like on the comedy side, like that, just like straight stand up. Um, I would listen to, I had like a, which was so inappropriate for my age, but like a Richard Pryor album, Bob Newhart, uh, Whoopi Goldberg had an HBO special as a kid that I loved. Um, and the, Carol Burnett 
Um, I, I grew up, my grandmother had like a lot of VHS tapes of mm-hmm. her show and um, I would watch them. And then I went when I was in high school to see her in a production of Moon Over Buffalo on Broadway. And mm-hmm. I wrote this long fan letter about how she inspired me. And my childhood bedroom, my wall was like, it was pictures of Gilda Renner and Carol Burnett oh, and Meryl Streep and like all these people. And so the stage manager, I gave him the letter before the show and he was like, come back here after the show. And so we went and I was like 16 years old, 15, 16. And I was like, mom, don't say anything. I got to tell her how much I love her. I got to ask her advice. And I froze. It was the first time I had ever met a celebrity. And I just, I froze and I couldn't get words out. And she saw I had like a little Kodak, like instant camera. And she was like, would you like a picture with me? And she was so lovely, so lovely. And the only thing I could get out was, I have pictures of you in my room. <laughs> and she was like, She's like, oh, oh this is the youngest so, stalker. Security. Exactly, let's get her out of here. And then about four or five years ago, I met her at the SAG Awards and I told her that story. And I basically did the same thing oh all over again. I was like, it's so good to see you. When I was 16, I met you and we took a picture and I have that picture. It was so, and she was just as lovely as ever. It's I interesting how when you get shocked and, and stunned by somebody, you turn into an old Southern lady. A thousand percent. A thousand Like nothing can come out of my mouth properly. Yep. That's hilarious. But so, so for you, how did your parents encourage your creative um, They were so, and still are, just so insanely supportive. They, um, we did community theater as a family when I was a kid. Um, well, really? my father That's did amazing. it. Like my mom, my mom actually started doing it. And my brother and I saw her in a production of Wizard of, Bo- Wizard of Oz playing Glinda, and we were like, "What is this?" <laughs> um, and then we all started doing it together. And then my dad did like a couple. We like dragged him in like to a couple productions when people dropped out like years later. Um, but they, I went to an arts camp as a kid. Um, it was basically like a camp for kids who couldn't make it at a real camp. <laughs> like there was like a half hour optional time outside if you wanted it. But otherwise it was like at a community college. For vampire children exactly. that don't want to see the sun. Totally. Everyone was for just indoor, so pale. Camp for indoor cats. Exactly. <laughs> That's totally what it was. Um, we meditated in the morning and oh. I didn't appreciate it at the time, like how amazing that was. Um, but it was great. And they... Um, it was theater and dance and art, and um, the theater teacher there was so inspirational to me. And you uh, you wrote your own sketches and would perform them, and that was really like my first time hmm. um, writing for myself. And I went there from the time I was seven until, and then I was a counselor there into oh, wow. my like, wow. late teens, early twenties. It was great. It was. Such a magical time. I don't think, because I I did theater when I was younger. Linda, you did some theater, right? In high school, yeah, in high school theater. But yeah. I don't think I have ever met someone who their fa- their whole family That's did it together. So cool. That's amazing. It was really, really fun. We did a production of Annie where my entire family, because and that was the first one my dad did because someone dropped out last minute and we begged him to do it. And yeah. he ended up having a blast. My dog played Sandy. Oh I played gosh. Annie. <laughs> I said, oh my goodness. So and, and, and so <laughs> is your brother, oh how far apart are you? Um, he is three years older than me. Three years older. So um, how close were you guys growing up and, and, and now? Um, so, so super close. Um, he, um, he was like my first director as a kid. Mm. So he would sort of lead the charge with our, 
uh, we called it Dancemania Productions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, and yeah, he um, he was very much like the the ringleader as um, as far as that was concerned. Make, like you said, like making movies and stuff when we were little and. Um, it was just that that creative play. I think is just so so wonderful, and um, it was b the basis for our, our, both of our childhoods. Mm -hmm. It was definitely like Jonathan and I spent more time together when we were younger because we were both annoying, and our older brother didn't want anything <laughs> to do with it. But uh, then we all did theater together when we were older and, did. and did some comedy and, and sketch. JD was actually in a sketch comedy group called YFG. So in what did that stand around. For? They never told anybody. We all assumed it was young, funny guys, but they would oh. never tell anybody. It's probably something vulgar. Okay. But um, yeah, they were well known in the lower mainland where we were, Vancouver oh, wow. area, and uh, they they had a lot of shows that they would sell out. So looking up at that, when Jonathan and I were really these sort of like outgoing, we thought we were funny at the time, so we always wanted to do that too. So that's kind of what originally JD mm. got us into comedy really? and, and improv and everything we do now, hosting, um, you know, live events. The, the training that we did for comedy, sketch, improv, just being able to be in the moment uh, has helped us with everything bet, that we do. Yeah. I love it. But having Jonathan there, um, like for someone to play off of all the time, test new material with, totally. was definitely really helpful. But um, now, as a sibling dynamic, though, how were you guys? Like, he's three years older, so was he the one who had to approve anybody you were dating back in the day or? What, what, what was that dynamic like for you? Yeah. I was very judgmental with Jonathan, and he was very judgmental with anybody <laughs> I dated when I was younger. Yeah, I mean, I think um, they're, both of us, I think, have been very, you know, protective of the other one to a certain extent. And I think that's such a, you know, hard dynamic with, like, either friends or family of just wanting them to be with someone that you that you love and mm -hmm. like. And um, I've, I've gotten into like sticky situations with friends where you're like, ooh, person's a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> do but I then do you, do you actually speak up or are you like, we just, I just want you to be happy? Um, I've done both. I've taken like both, both sides of that coin. Like there's, there's been the time, like it's always so hard because will they break up with that person and Great, then or you, will they you get know, married and, and then, then you so like awful. you're that ass who says something. But I, I do think you know if if it's really bad, you gotta say something. Yeah, we, you know, we have. I'm, I'm the one who's the ass because I, I feel it's out of respect for someone you really love, whether it's yeah. family or friends. You have to say something, and not like I jump out and say it right away. Like you know, get to know the other person, sure. see if there's something that we're not seeing that is there, or maybe we're misunderstanding the person. Maybe they've had a bad day. But I, I've definitely I've been the one to say it to family and friends before, and, and I even I always I always preface it to saying you know you may never want to talk to me again, and I'm sorry if that's the case, but I want you to know this comes from a, a, a spot of really loving you and wanting to make sure you're happy, and um, and I've said to a few people, I've actually said uh, to a good friend of mine um, last year was getting married, and the person we just. I don't know. It was just not a not a good uh. good vibe off the person, and then just really saying mean things and uh, and disrespectful things to other people and, and stuff yeah. was just hateful. And I, Linda and I talked about we're like, do we want to go to support the wedding? And we I finally had I called him and I said I told him how we feel, and I I just feel like he's such a giving loving person. Mm. He's so supportive of everybody, um, and it was hard to do. 
Um, unfortunately, I haven't heard from him ever oh, again, but really? um, we, dis- we discussed it. We talked it through once I, I spoke to him originally, and then we spoke the next day again, and since then I've never heard from him again. But um, it's sad sometimes, but I think it's that important sucks. to speak your, your voice as long as, as long as you know you're not coming from a bad place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know that the, the way I feel it, like Linda and I, we love people. We love... We're, you know, open arms with everybody. Yeah. I mean, Linda will hug you before she knows you. <laughs> and I think knowing that we truly like to be good people and we like to be surrounded by good people, I think that's, um, then that's, I, I know we're not being the ones that are being unreasonable. It's true. Because we've given people a chance, but I don't know. It's very true. And I think there's sometimes a blind spot there that someone may be having. And it's, it's, I mean, it's important to point that out. If, if the person's really terrible and they're about to enter into a, a life phase with that person that could just ruin yeah. said yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it does put the friendship in an awkward situation, but beyond that, you know, you do want the other person to be happy. Mm-hmm. But, and if for yeah. some reason they're still happy, then, then that's fine. Yeah. But at least we have our piece that we spoke our mind and, and everyone's their own individual. They, they sure. do want to be with that person. Then there's something great maybe that yeah. they have with yeah. that person and that's amazing. But uh, you always hate to, the thought of losing a friendship. That's true. Um, but, but it could, it will very, I mean, most likely that's going to come back. Yeah. Don't you think? I hope, like at I hope some so. point that'll so. be discovered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I really do hope so. I mean... We've seen that happen in the past as mm-hmm. well. Hey, there was way back my older brother JD. He actually was engaged, and that was she was not a friendly person at all. We never saw JD. He, we saw him maybe twice a year when we wow. used to see him all the time. And I said the same thing to him. And I think it was just a, a week or so later he really realized it wasn't the right move for him. Mm. And he came back to me. <laughs> they always come back they to me. They always come back. Where's that? Where's that southerner voice? Can I use that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, no, I mean, family is everything for us, especially mm-hmm. the holidays, anytime we get a chance. We film all over on the road, and Linda's family have been awesome. They're spread out all over, you know, Canada and, and, and U.S., but they they come to visit us. My family come to visit. Mm-hmm. We spend the holidays together. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Do you get back to the East Coast to, to see your family, or, or do they come I out do. here? I do. Yeah, my, my folks come out a bunch here, and um, I think they really like it, though they're, I mean, they're hardcore New Yorker, New Jerseyites through and through. Um, it's a lot. My my father still, I mean, I've been out here for, you know, years at this point, but the time difference is still something that he can't fully wrap his head around. <laughs> so he won't change his watch the entire time. So you'll be like, okay, we're going to meet for dinner at seven. Do you mean 10? Like, no, I mean seven because you're in California. I love it's your not- dad's voice. You mean 10? I don't know about that. He loves he is. He thinks it's the most hilarious thing in the world <laughs> that they like. Uh, if they're watching like a reality or show or something that airs first on the East Coast, yeah. I'll get a message from him, and he thinks he's like calling from the future. So it'll be like, <laughs> uh, I know what happened on The Bachelor because it's ten o'clock here. Oh my god! The most funny thing there is that your dad watches The Bachelor. Oh my gosh! They, but, that uh... man watches everything, or they'll like. When Big Bang was on, they would watch an episode of the show, which also, like, I shot it. Like, yeah. I know what happens. Bet you don't know what happens on Big <laughs> we Bang. We just saw you in five scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Dad. Oh, I love him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Our, our parents are proud, though. I mean, your, your, yeah. your parents have got to be so proud of you, especially since they did theater with you, they mm-hmm. did acting with you, and now you're 
one of the biggest names in, in TV oh, and, and, and yeah. films. And uh, my parents are proud too, but it's so funny to me to see how they show it. How do my they dad. show it? Well, we, were, we were in the middle of Scotland. We were in Scotland yeah. in the middle of nowhere, and my dad just randomly walking up to people. My son's the property brother. We, we, we were touring a castle, and we were just at the gift shop, and he'll go up to a random stranger and be like, you know who that is over there? Well, we <laughs> That's were, my son. We were also, we were on vacation. Um, I think we were, da- we were down in Mexico. We were on vacation with them, and we were at some random little, like, um, like restaurant or something mm-hmm. like that. And as we're walking, my dad stops over and there's like a busboy cleaning a table. My dad's like, my son's the property brother. <laughs> and the, the, the guy looks up at him, like doesn't say anything. My dad's like, property brothers, he's the property brother. And the guy's just like, "Ki?" <laughs> he like, had no idea, he didn't speak English. And, Hermanos a lobra. But it's so funny, I mean, I'm glad they're proud uh, of us, but. That's great. Yes. Does he do it? Only when you're there. Oh no! Or do you th- it's. I think it's worse when we're not there. Yeah. I think, I, I think they play down like yeah. we keep it cool. Oh, you're you know, right. We're cool. But I bet you that like where, where my parents live, they're in a small town. Everybody knows that they're the parents of the property brothers. Oh, the yeah. mayor has messaged us and what? said. Uh, love your parents, they're really great. Love your show, Property Brothers. And uh, yeah, she's she's really nice. She, she's really sweet. But uh, I literally think my parents probably like post like on telephone poles, like pictures of them and <laughs> us and being like, we're their parents. I have no idea what they do, but everyone knows. It's like, they, it's like it's their celebrity. When they walk down the street, when we go to visit, they live up um, uh, just outside of Calgary in Alberta. Uh-huh. And when we go up to visit them, and we're walking down the street, people will literally be like, Jim and Joanne, it's hey! So cute. Oh, it's like, I love it's it. like cheers. That That's you, amazing. Everybody they knows be, the they name. They could be the mayors of the town, too. Yeah. Were they uh, always like that, or is that since you guys have um, Well, they've always been proud of us, no matter what we did. Like, you know, if we were in karate, so when, uh-huh. we, were, when we were kids, Jonathan and I were national champions, and uh, so my, oh, my wow. dad would walk around and be like, my kid's a national champion. National champion, karate, kumite, they're, they're the best. And he would do it all the time, I'm like, Dad, stop that, it's embarrassing. That's amazing. So it's, yeah, do, can you still do karate? Have you? <laughs> yeah. If only you could see the lightning speed of my ninja nose. kick. <laughs> I should have had my <laughs> fist. Yeah. I, I knew <laughs> I should have kept it up the whole time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a weapon itself, your nunchuck sock. Exactly. We, uh, still, I still know some of the moves and, and whatnot, but I am a hell of a lot less flexible than I used to be. So mm. I used to be able to do the splits. If someone's like, split, Whoa. I'd be like, no problem. Now I will have to go to the hospital or physio really? after I attend. Now is it more like Tai Chi? You're just like yes, so I'm slow oh, motion. Like, so. yeah. If you want to have a slow motion fight, I'm in. Okay, yeah. done. done, done. Well, thank you for taking some thank time to chat with us. Thank you so much. This was so nice talking to you guys. This is a lot of fun. So fun. much fun. It's always a great conversation with Melissa. She's amazing and so talented, and we're so happy for her. And also, her and her husband, too. They're both amazing comedy writers. I think they should write us a comedy. I want to see you act as my sidekick. No, I'll be your sidekick. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you're definitely my sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your, they'll call me Little Drew, and you'll be uh, <laughs> Little Drew. Big Lindy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new comedy. Catch it on NBC. On Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we hopped on a call this week with a nurse up in Toronto, Lisa. Yeah, it's great just to hear from nurses themselves. They're working so incredibly hard, and we're so grateful for everything nurses are doing, not just nurses in hospitals, but nurses who are in long-term um, healthcare centers, 
public health nurses like Lisa. And Lisa also has a very unique role as a nurse because she is one of the people who pinpoint where any spread of viruses come from. Yeah, she handles the contact tracing. Contact tracing. Mm -hmm. So enjoy the call and thank a nurse today and every day. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. Hi. How are you? Hi. Good. How are you? Good, good. So Lisa's joining us from Toronto and she has a a very unique position that she has working in the health community. Mm -hmm. She's a public health nurse, right? And explain Mm -hmm. exactly what that means. So um, I work, there's different parts of public health, but really we come from the point of prevention. So we're trying to prevent, um, you know, disease from spreading in the community and prevent those people from becoming sick and ending up in the hospital. So we do a lot of, um, you know, um, communicating with the public about prevention and infection control. So washing your hands, all those messages that you see out in the, um, on the news, like a lot of that comes from, you know, direction from public health and looking at trends in the community and what we're seeing in terms of, you know, how infections spread. So that's primarily what my role is when at work. So, and this is something that I think a lot of people will probably find interesting. I mean, you know, when some when there's an outbreak of something, it it seems daunting and it seems impossible to figure out really where that started, um, mm-hmm. or or how quickly it spread and how it spread. Yet, you guys, your department, and what you do, literally, this is what you do day in and day out, figuring that out, and you do find the the origin or the source of or how it spread from overseas t- uh, to U.S. and Canada. So, I mean, aside from just calling. Like what, what's the infrastructure? Are you working with the similar departments in different countries um, or across the country? Like how is it that you get narrowed down so fast to where um, these issues are coming from? So we work on a, like a municipal level. Like it's different, I guess, maybe in, in Canada, but we're, we have a certain region we cover within, um, you know, a province. Um, but there's lots of different, um, uh, I should say, health units. And we all sort of work together. So everyone sort of, liaises together and then we liaise with, um, you know, uh, large organizations that are more provincial and then we go out into like the World Health Organization, we, you know, seek guidance from them. So we do a lot of collaborating with different um, partners like hospitals and um, other bigger organizations, but everyone sort of works together and tries to figure out what what to do and how to better help sort of the world right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like with this pandemic in particular, I mean, I don't remember a time when we've all gone through this in our lifetime. We haven't. Um, How are you dealing with the dissemination of information when every single day you have new or conflicting information that has, that you have to put out to the public? Yeah. So that's, um, it's difficult to say the least, um, because there's different information that can come from, you know, not credible places. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the primary role for us is education. So that's something that we have to sort of sift through, look at what's, you know, evidence-based, what has gone through, like, as much as they can at this point, scientific um, research, and then look at what resources are put out, but try to make, try to make sure that the whatever message that goes out is more, is more standardized versus, mm. you know, one thing coming from one outlet and another outlet. So we try and do our best mm. to sift through that for our sort of the region that we cover and the public that we 
you know, cover. So we try to make sure it's, it's the same, but of course the media will take also bits and pieces of what, um, you know, they see, and then they'll try and, and, and give their message. So it is yeah. definitely a difficult thing to, to handle, but we try. Yeah. yeah. Now, and how do you feel being in the health field? Um, you've seen a lot of different, uh, issues, a lot of different diseases that, um, that can spread a lot of different outbreaks. Um, how, how do you personally take that information? Are you somebody who it kind of freaks you out a little bit, or are you somebody who you've seen so much, you know, that we have the capability to deal with a lot of these issues. So now that we see COVID it's something that's here, but you know that the steps are in place to make sure that we can control it. Yeah, I think exactly what you said. Like I, a lot of, um, the way things are spread are person to person and hand washing is like the biggest thing. I f- and if it's anything that can help is hand washing. And I, Linda knows I wash my hands all the time and I'm not a germaphobe, but I'm very cognizant of those things. So I, you know, wash, you know, clean off my phone all the time. And I'm very aware of just where, where things are and where they've been and how you can, you know, make sure that your infection control is, is, you know, your practices are really good. Mm-hmm. So I give, um, for example, with my husband, I'll say to Ray, okay, make sure, just imagine there's paint on everything when you come in the house. So if your phone has paint on it and you put it down on the table, now you take it off the table to clean it and you put it back on the part that has paint on it, then it's got paint on it. So that's, right, that's a great, everywhere. you know what, actually, I love that. That's a really smart way of thinking about it. Um, mm-hmm. Cause that's a visual thing to put in people's right. minds. I'll, I'll admit I like I'm a bit of a germaphobe. I don't like but there are certain things that I just never really thought about until this pandemic. And then Linda will be the one pointing out. She's like, oh, by the way, did you wash your hands? Yes, I washed my hands. Right. But then you but touched then you your, your phone again phone. and you didn't wash right. your phone. Or and you like, put your hand in your pocket right. when yes. your hands were dirty. And then I will sound like a crazy Nagging person. Me. But, it's, <laughs> but it's, it's needed. Yeah, <laughs> no, really. It really is needed. And so w- with the research that you've done, um, is there a certain focus that you have that, you, that you're able to talk about uh, right now? Um, so ours is really based on the region that we work in. So there's different like health units and different public health professionals that work in each of their health units. So mm. I'm specific to that health unit that I work in, um, but we do liaise with other health units and then the province as well of Ontario. So mm. we're sort of helping... Um, to gather all our information, we all, and it all goes into, you know, um, trying to figure out, you know, types of symptoms and kind of collecting all that data together. And then also helping to provide that same data to other parts of the world so that everyone can sort of come up with a plan for how to tackle it. Um, mm-hmm. right. Similar to like influenza, right? At the seasonal um, virus, but mm-hmm. everyone sort of pools their information together to help sort of prepare for the next season and the next year. So right. hopefully with the information we get net, you know, moving forward and they've pulled a lot of information from China mm-hmm. um, as well, sort of to move forward with like a vaccine and then hopefully, um, you know, other things. But mm-hmm. I think what they're doing now in terms of, you know, education and social distancing is the best that we can do right now to help like flatten that curve and Mm -hmm. we've seen that it's helped here at least so right yeah and and maybe this this is a good time for us because you're in the thick of this and you're getting the updates as they come in um what are your thoughts on the whole idea of a lot of different cities opening back up and operating again 
I know that a lot of uh, different destinations are saying that they have certain restrictions still, but when you're thinking they're opening golf courses, movie theaters, restaurants, what's your take on that? I think it's too early, <laughs> but again, that's my personal opinion. Um, I, I really think that they should just be a little bit more aware. I think it's, it's easy to say, you know, obviously to close everything down because that would be probably the best option. And obviously it's not going to work in the world that we work in or or live in, sorry, but um, it's hard, right? Like it's, it's difficult to, to to say what would work or, you know, what's not going to work, but I really think it's too early to open up everything because people aren't cognizant, like you said, of hand washing and where they're doing things. Like even I went to put gas the other day, and I was very aware that I had my clean hand for opening my car door and my dirty hand for the gas pump. But then I looked around and everyone was touching their phone, touching their wallet, touching their credit yeah. card mm-hmm. and just going back into the car. And I was like, oh, people have good intentions, but you don't realize how much you touch everything and then touch yourself and touch your face. Mm-hmm. Right. And everyone touches their face all As the time right now my, now i, I have my now i have an itch that i don't want to <laughs> scratch I <got> you. <laughs> where has that pillow been <laughs> oh. under my butt oh. that's a different pink contamination great <laughs> <laughs> more importantly it's uh it's nurses week happy nurses week. oh yeah nurses thank you week. how are you celebrating yourself because you must be exhausted and um. how should the world celebrate nurses? Well, I think it's for myself, I'm just trying to sleep and uh, rest and watch, um, not watch the news. That's helpful. Um, And just eat as much good food as I can. So we just made pizza tonight. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to eat that. Um, And I think every year we do at work, um, you know, we all sort of celebrate each other on social media and, always try and, and, you know, say how, what kind of work we do. I don't think people understand there's, it's not just hospitals that nurses work in. Um, like there's public health, there's community health. So there's nurses that go to, you know, people's houses to help mm-hmm. um, them because they can't leave their houses. And there's also um, nurses that work in long-term care homes, like nursing homes and things like that. And they're being hit hard um, at this time too. So I think it's just that awareness that nurses do a lot more than just the hospital, not just, but the hospital being in the hospital. Mm. I think the hospital nurses are feeling it a lot more. And I think this year just brings more of an attention to how important healthcare workers are Mm. and Mm. the frontline workers in general. But I think it's, it's, it's a good um, week just to celebrate what we do. Well, I mean, this is one part of us trying to say a big thank you to you and all the the healthcare professionals out there helping out all the frontline workers. You're you're all doing so much to try and make sure that everyone can get back to a regular routine and everyone can be safe. So thank you so much for that. And I wanted to maybe end with just a little bit of a, a recap of where we're at right now with information that we have as much as possible. So we know the number one big thing that everyone can do is wash their hands that people are forgetting mm-hmm. half the time, wash your hands. Yeah. Uh, wearing a mask when you're out in public, uh, especially when you're in confined spaces, correct? Yeah, so there's, there's. I mean, the, the World Health Organization's uh, said that if you can't physically distance, then definitely make sure that you have some kind of face mask or, you know, uh, something to cover your, your mouth and nose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that more protects other people 
around you. Right. Um, because if you have any droplets or let's say you sneeze or cough, they would mm-hmm. go out, you know, six feet. So as long as you can maintain social distance, that's beneficial. But I know here in Canada, there's some stores that won't allow you to come in potentially if you don't have a mask. So um, I think right. the social distancing um, is, is, is helpful. And the reason why they tell you to do that is because of those droplets that can, mm. can go that far, far out. Mm-hmm. What's the distance? Is it a six foot minimum or 10 foot minimum? Six feet Six foot or minimum. two meters. Yeah. Two meters. And then what I, is, um, I prefer 20 meters. Lin- yeah, Linda <laughs> wants a football field. Yeah. Um, and then also where from all the research and everything that they know, what is the standing on how long these droplets will stay in the air? I would assume it depends on your humidity in your area. If you're inside a, a building that has air conditioning or something blowing. Um, from what I can remember off the top of my head, um, it's really their heavier droplets. So they fall quite quickly unless they become um, like the term is aerosolized. If they become aerosolized, then they can stay in the air a bit longer. So there's certain um, like medical things that um things that they do that can cause them to become aerosolized. Um, but that's why they maintain the whole six foot distance because the droplets are heavier and they go out to six feet. Right. And so that's why they tell you to wear a mask if you're, if you're sick, especially. Yeah. So really, I mean, aside from somebody sneezing in your face or coughing in your face, the, the biggest issue is people walking around spittling out of their mouth and it goes down onto a surface and then you touch that surface and then touch your face. Right. So wash yeah. your hands. Wash your hands. It all comes down to wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Don't touch, don't your, touch face. your face. Gosh, I got to touch my face again right now. Know, every <laughs> time we mention it, my like my nose is itchy. I know. I'm holding my hands together under my... Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to hold Linda's hands with her. But wait, thank you so much. Wait, wait. I want to finish off with two oh. things. Okay. These are nurse jokes. <laughs> oh. Linda's got some good nurse jokes. Beca- well, I didn't write these, but... Why did the nurse bring red magic markers into work? To mark all her patients or their patients. Oh, I guess that works too, but not for this joke. She wanted to be ready in case she had to draw blood. (laughs) How do you know when a nurse is having a bad day? I don't know. She won't stop needling you. It's terrible. Oh. This is terrible. These yes. are worse than See, I didn't, I didn't read than that one jokes. because that wasn't that good. Okay, okay, give this, one good this, one. one's, this one's good. A man walks into a clinic. He has a cucumber up his nose, a carrot in his left ear, and a banana in his right ear. What's the matter with me, he asks. You're not eating properly, replies the nurse. <laughs> oh, lame. <laughs> well, I on like that, that note, thank you so much for joining us, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for everything you do. And thank you for keeping us safe. Oh, you're welcome. We all try. Thank you. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We'll see you guys on social media. Hit us up at at home. Use hashtag at home podcast. And you can also reach out to us. Feedback at athomepodcast.net. Linda is literally crying. She's laughing so hard right now. I have no idea why. There's some sort of inside story here. <laughs> Thank you to Brandon Angelino, our podcast producer. Annalie <laughs> Bell, our researcher and awesome sister-in-law. Annalini. And then also Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson for our music Feels Like Home. I think I need to go because Linda is literally drowning in a... <laughs> pool of laughing mm. tears so thanks guys love you boo <laughs> love you bye 
Dun, 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 dun. ADT <laughs> now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home, the safer the security. I can't wait to see what they do next. They're going to put Google Nest doorbells on the moon. <laughs> da, da. Actually, I'd like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell. I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door. And we can control our ADT smart devices like lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. Mm -hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started. Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Hey, Google.